Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. Hello, this is Lauren Hicks, and I'm counsel with the Atlanta office of Ogletree Deacons, and I'm here today with my colleagues Lee Nason in the Columbia office and Scott Kelly in Birmingham. We are doing a podcast on the revised OFCCP compensation directive, and it's really just a short um, introduction to the webinar that we're conducting September 14th, which will be a more comprehensive discussion of the content. But today we want to get started uh, with just some of the general concepts and some of the things that changed from the first comp directive that came out earlier this year and the revised comp directive that just recently came out. So before we get into any content, Scott Lee, I have heard some commentary in the OFCCP space that compensation changes so much from administration to administration. And look, here we are. And this administration is now on their second comp directive in a year. And so there has been some discussion in the space of, do I even need to pay attention to these? Are they really important? Do you all have thoughts on that before we get into the substance? That's a good question to bring up right at, at, at the front of this podcast is I, I do think contractors need to pay attention. I mean, this OFCCP is really not all t- together all that different than the last OFCCP when it relates to compensation. It's a focus. It's always been a focus of the agency. Um, hiring and compensation or where they spend a ton of their time. Audits that we're handling right now, compensation is front and center. And a lot of the issues that contractors are working through with OFCCP. And I think, you know, what I've noticed is a lot of folks are saying, oh, OFCCP's walked back their directive with the second revised one, or, you know, just trying to kind of take a shot at OFCCP. And quite frankly, I think, you know, OFCCP needs to get some credit for listening to the contractor community who basically came out and said, this is an overreach. We don't like where you're going. You know, you're not being clear with what it happens to be. OFCCP heard that and has attempted in this last directive, and I'm sure everyone can agree or disagree or has different opinions as to if it was effective, this this second revised opinion, but they're at least trying to give some more clarity to the contracting community. I think everyone would still love more direct answers on is a quantitative versus qualitative analysis required, and if a quantitative is required, how should you do it? Now, I think OSCCP probably feels, and kind of to your point, that it's done that in a directive that came out in the last president and the Trump administration. Um, So those are kind of some of my thoughts. Even if it doesn't impact you on a daily basis, certainly at the point at which you're audited or when you're thinking about your AAPs, this is the type of thing that is material. Even even though it's changing and it's frustrating, it's important to stay on top of what the agency is doing at the moment. Yeah, I think it's always important if you think if you're on an audit list or if you regularly get audited or you might be audited as they're changing up their algorithm, they're telling us uh, to pay attention to what the agency's initiatives and focus are. 
Um, so hiring has always been their bread and butter. Looking at hiring statistics, I think contractors are used to dealing with that. I think this was first came out as a pay equity directive and is now called a compensation directive. Uh, so even they are spinning around a little bit is just reiterating the focus of that OCCP certainly has, but one that is mirrored as everyone on this podcast likely knows by EEOC, uh, by, by state efforts, by local efforts, by municipality efforts, pay is a big deal. Uh, I think the disconnect with OSCCP, if there is a disconnect, is they are struggling to find their niche in this area. What do they need contractors to do? The regulations have not changed, and the regulations require an evaluation of compensation systems. Whether that means you've got to do a quantitative separate analysis by AAP establishment is yet to be determined. That is, of course, what the agency seems to be implying. Uh, and honestly, this revision one that came out now a couple of weeks ago, about two months after the initial one, uh, seems almost to make it more complicated in areas uh, rather than less complicated. So to Scott's point about transparency, it is important. I, I don't know how they view, you know, what their definition of transparency is, but it, it remains, in my opinion, that the contractors are still a little confused about what OCCP expects, and it will only be as time passes that we understand what the agency is doing here. And, you know, I'll just add, having worked in the agency, these types of changes are very slow to roll down to the field. We know that, and it's difficult for them to. Any changes like this might be uh, difficult for the contractor community to accept and digest and, and transition to. It's just as difficult, really, for the OFCCP compliance officers to transition from a work standpoint. So you, as we all know, that leads a lot of times to sort of inconsistency in the way they're looking at things and applying things. And I think it's fair to say we expect that to continue yes. uh, in the audits. Now, let's talk about one of the things that you raised, Lee, which is that issue of the language around pay equity. Can one of you tell us, you know, sort of what was the significance of that language appearing in the first directive? And now the fact that that language has been really um, completely removed almost from. The yeah, so the first directive was called pay equity audits. You know, no such animal really exists in OSCCP's regulations. Again, there's a section called 2.17D, I think it's three, that says as part of your internal audit uh, contractors, you're supposed to uh, evaluate or, or um, analyze your systems, and that includes an evaluation of your compensation systems and processes. So the word pay equity audit is, is a creature of whether it's poor drafting or whether that was just what they actually want, because it was pretty apparent, um, at least to most practitioners in this area, that they want something quantitative that involves numbers and analyses. They didn't tell us what kinds of analyses. They only said those analyses had to be acceptable, which to Scott's point about transparency was not very transparent. <laughs> so I do think that the, the second go at this, the one that came out a few weeks ago called Revision One that changed the title, and talked a lot about, hey, y'all thought we were going after privileged analysis and we're not. That wasn't news at this point because it was it was formalized in this revision, but they've been saying that openly uh, for, for months. Um, but also start tried to define different ways of doing analyses. 
one thing I want to point out that, that people haven't thought about, well, maybe they thought about it, but um, as I think about it, <laughs> put it, let's put it that way, as I think about this, um, it's not clear to me, uh, or let me back up, as I go through this, there is every possibility that a company's compensation department is already running analyses on pay that could suffice in this space. I I don't think either of these directives and whatever iteration you're looking at require, requires a company to say, I've got to do something different. They may, It may require you to do something more because many compensation departments and HR departments and compliance departments have not been focused on this piece. And honestly, I think the focus of this administration, uh, whether we're talking about pay, whether we're talking about hiring, whether we're talking about outreach, is you, you all need to do more. This does not sit on the shelf. This regulatory document that you've got to prepare and now certify that you've prepared, that's not the end of the story. And, you know, with just speaking with this compensation directive, there's three parts of it. Do something. OK, somebody's got to do something within the AAP year. Somebody's got to investigate what that something shows. And then somebody's got to be able to document any adjustments made as, as a result of that investigation. That takes time. All of our clients have busy compensation departments. Some of them don't have compensation departments. They're all busy with talent acquisition and, and, and HR. So this is this really is an additional burden, not a quantifiable one like this directive is talking about. But it is very clear that the agency requires contractors to do more with less and to make this a living, breathing thing. Um, and so I think it, 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 you know, when we talk about just these two directives in general, it is new. But I don't think anybody could say you must do X or Y. And this revision to me almost complicates that because they give you all kinds of ways you can look at comp and all of that's legit. But what do you have to do here? And I don't think it's very clear at all that this has to be a standalone separate analysis. You know, many of our clients want us to help them do that because they don't have the, the bandwidth or the time or the expertise. But that said, if you've got a compensation department that is very um, attuned to these kinds of things and is doing this routinely, and we have many of those, they can also do this. I was going to jump in and kind of reiterate Lee's important point there that we're seeing this from, from this, this agency right now in this administration that they're asking some of the same questions that we're accustomed to, but they are looking for that more. Okay, so you've done your regulatory requirement of the analysis, but what have you done? If the analysis showed something, or even if we're talking about, you know, outreach, all right, well, what did you do different? And on that kind of more side, I think that's something that it, it's going to be challenging and for folks in this space, in the compliance space, um, because it it's probably going to require more people or at least more coordination within other departments. So kind of to talk about Lee's hypo a little bit, say you do have an internal compensation department. I find that a lot of times the compensation departments and the folks in the compliance space, they talk, in, but they don't necessarily coordinate about results and what might be the next step. So I think more coordination there would be a first step to try to figure out how to catch up with what I anticipate, you know, the agency is going to be seeking in audits where there are compensation indicators. 
I think that's right. And for uh, anyone who's listened to one of us speak before on this issue of compensation, I think the other thing to always keep in the back of the mind is using language like pay equity is in essence a warning shot of where they intend to go, right? Maybe the regulation isn't there yet. Maybe they can't force the specific detailed concrete analysis that they would like to. Uh, but it is a bit of a warning as to A, what they might look at in audits, and B, perhaps what they would like to create some regulation around in the future if, if they're able to. Um, let's talk about the other really significant element that changed from the first directive to the second directive, which is after the first directive had a lot of commentary about attorney-client privileged analyses and attorney-client privileged information and uh, the tone of it, you know, I think was perhaps a bit aggressive. And Lee, what is your impression of the changes that have been made? And when the first one came out, there was a bit of industry panic, sort of the sky is falling. There's no more attorney-client privilege. Don't even try to privilege your analyses. Um, just, you know, accept that the agency is going to get all of your analyses or try to and move on. So where do we sit now and how, how do we think about the transition from the first directive to the second directive? I think many of our clients are very cognizant of pay equity for a number of reasons, as I mentioned before, and will engage periodically in uh, you know, robust pay analyses that are not based on AAP establishments and are not done for AAP purposes, but are done to just ensure um, compliance with pay equity laws across the country and to you know make sure that... Um, the, the system is working, so to speak, and there's no uh, unexplained pay gaps. And if there are, you know, whether to fix them or not. So, you know, people have been doing that forever. I think OSCCP has finally clued in that that may be happening. Um, and, you know, not I, I certainly don't know what led to this directive other than the national emphasis on pay equity. But the tone of the first one was pretty aggressive. And, and the, the message was, look, you can do this for your AAPs and give it to us in an audit. No other time. You don't have to submit this through the portal, So, for example. Um, but in an audit, if, if they find compensation indicators and in group, they always find compensation indicators. Um, they're going to ask for this and you've got to have a response. And in fact, I've sat in on audits where they've said, well, if you're not doing this, a quanti quantifiable analysis, um, how are you ensuring pay equity? And you've got to have an answer for that because you probably are. But on the attorney client privilege aspect, um, you know, there is a way to to privilege some of this. The facts are always discoverable. The outcome is always discoverable. It's the methodology, the strategy, what really matters to pay. What if we look at it this way or that way that you want to keep close to the vest if possible. But bottom line, I think OSCCP has realized that just them uh, wanting that kind of analysis and putting out a directive that did not go through uh, a notice and comment, you know, some commentators have said this is all worthless anyway, but, you know, them saying you didn't do this non-privileged analysis is not enough to waive attorney-client privilege. There is case law on how to waive attorney-client privilege, and this does not fit into it. So I do think very early, OSCCP's lawyers help them understand the parameters of attorney-client privilege, uh, which then led to the contracting community understanding uh, as you note, after a lot of hue and cry by some commentators that this is just, you know, awful and, you know, contrary to law. So they, they walk this back very, very early. Now, in an audit, should you say something like, oh, we do a privileged analysis 
every year and it shows this with these factors, you may be waiving the privilege and they may be able to get this analysis. However, if you are doing that, you need to be very careful to control the environment in which an analysis is done. You keep the team small. You don't disperse the information. If you do, and even worse, if you do this in the context of an OSCCP audit and just open the doors for them, they will indeed ask for this because you may have waived the privilege. I think this revision is very clear that barring something like that, barring some unintended or intended disclosure of a privileged analysis, they are not going to seek it. So what are they going to do? So if they can't get your privileged analysis and you haven't done what they're asking you to do with this revision, likely there's going to be a technical violation that you have not complied with the regulation that they're citing, which is 2.17D. That would lead potentially to a threat of enforcement for denial of access or just even just a technical violation. You didn't comply with the regs. There are commentators that say take that position. That's the safest thing. I honestly think that in that situation, OSCP would respond with you need to sign a conciliation agreement and provide progress reports to us for a period of two to three years showing that you've now complied. I don't think that is the panacea for not doing an analysis. So again, we get, it's all circular. If they can't get privileged analysis, they, they can get something. What is that something and what should you all be doing? Uh, and the only thing I would say there, and I'll leave it to, to better minds than I, is you don't want to be analyzing noise. So a job group pay analysis is likely going to make your comp folks scratch their heads and look at you like you are crazy if you ask them to investigate it. You, you Most companies do not utilize the you know job groups, AAP job groups, for anything other than the affirmative action programs. You don't hire by job group. You don't pay by job group. But if you give OSCCP pay by job groups and don't tell them how to look at this, and that means you know how to look at this, they are likely to analyze by job group and try to make a discrimination claim by job group. I think that's noise. Are you doing a privileged analysis and you know certain factors or certain controls matter? We'll use those in this analysis as well. So there, there's a roadmap you can follow. Um, you may, all, again, not to, not to forget, your comp team may also be following its own roadmap that's perfectly defensible. And of course, I went off track there. So Lauren, get us back on track. No, that was, it was good content. Scott, I think one thing that plagues the contractor community is that compensation is just difficult. It's unwieldy. It's not as simple as and hiring or promotion or termination. Not to say those things are always simple either, but we understand very clearly what our obligations are in those areas, how to analyze them. And we have sort of a level playing field, right? We know the expectation, we know what we should be analyzing, and we know, okay, we've we've met the, you know, the required analysis and everything looks good. So it will likely, you know, appear the same way to the agency. The frustration with comp has been that there's never been that that level of certainty. Does the new directive do anything to move anyone closer to having that certainty, Scott? I certainly don't have that certainty from reading the, the revised directive. I, I think contractors are still going to struggle um, to understand and, and figure out really what it is the agency's wanting and or, or maybe the agency's cleared up a little bit of what they're going to, you know, what questions you're going to need to answer in an audit. But uh, how you get to those answers, I, I think is, it, 
going to be different for different contractors. Um, and there there's, the agency has not been willing and, you know, for, for years there's been requests. I've gone to NILG meeting after NILG meeting and people get up and act very emotionally upset with the agency for not giving clarity in this space. Um, and, and we're still not seeing it. So I, I don't think that this directive clears much up for the contracting community and exactly what they should be doing. Well, and, and honestly, I'm not sure that's the agency's fault, because if you think about it, a compensation analysis, whether it's qualitative, whether it's quantitative, is outdated almost as soon as you say the words. Um, if you look at comp on one day, the next day is different. It would have been different the day before. Um, and keep in mind the restrictions around this agency, unless you are doing functional affirmative action programs, which have to be approved by the agency, they are stuck with trying to change, but stuck with auditing you based on an AAP physical establishment. So that's not how you analyze comp either. So I think there are some truly some guardrails and impediments on the agency's ability to do a whole lot in this space. And then on the contractor side, let's say you do an analysis today and y'all are in the middle of a re-leveling or a job architecture change, or you have a huge acquisition that's going to affect the way your, your, your pay at least looks for a while. All of that can affect anything you do today. And, and keep in mind, too, that the agency really is limited to a certain time frame of the audit. So, they, you know, they would like to argue about this, but right now, at least, they can't go beyond the date of the scheduling letter. Your compensation data that you give them in the audit may be a year old. It's already outdated. So I don't think we can get too, I just don't want to indict the agency too much on on this you know process because it is a challenge for sure. It'd be a challenge for any agency. It's a challenge for our companies and our clients. Um, you do the best you can. You don't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from South Carolina and we have a saying of don't let the OSCCP tail wag the dog. You need to run a business. You need to comply as best you comply, can comply, but you want to look at comp for your own purposes, for pay equity, for your employees, for your company, for your shareholders. This should all fall in line somehow. It may be a little tricky and messy, and uh, we may have some bumps along the road, but if you are truly ensuring pay equity, that will come out. And um, I think that's really all you can strive for. To the agency's credit, I think there's a whole lot more federal contractors in 2022 that are aware of the fact that they need to be doing something with compensation and are, are, are attempting to do something related to compensation. I mean, I, I know all of our calendars stay pretty full with people calling, asking for advice. Does this apply to us? What does it mean? I definitely feel like there's more engagement from the contracting community in this space. I'll, I'll say that. Whether that results in pay equity for everybody, who knows? But I definitely think that the contracting community, at least the clients we work with, want to do what they need to do here. And my comments earlier were not really meant to knock the agency, but you know, I think you articulated it much betterly. This is just a difficult space. So there's perhaps not a, a way to level set kind of like on the hiring side. And maybe that's part of the frustration here too is we're used to that and contractors are used to, all right, well, we get an applicant tracking system. We, we get our 
talent acquisition team, you know, trained upright. We we know what's where the the holes are, the the guardrails are in in that space. Why can't we do it over here in compensation? And you know, maybe it can be done. I, I think it's it, it's not a one size fits all. But quite frankly, hiring is not either. But you know, keep in mind that we've been probably working on hiring because there's been more of an emphasis on it historically from the agency. Maybe then there has been on compensation, which I realize now I'm contradicting something I said earlier, focused on these two things, but. Well, I think it's clear. I mean, you know, some of you may be saying, you know, what are we supposed to do here? Um, And I think our message is, look, if you have it, so right now, the agency is not entitled to any sort of pay analysis unless there's an audit and unless they pay, they find what they call pay indicators. Again, that could be by job group. It could be by some of us. We've seen it lately by EEO one category, which is crazy. Um, you don't pay by EEO one category, but anyway, so number one is if you have an audit, understand that compensation could be a focus. Number two, in this analysis, this directive, and quite frankly, all of OSCCP's messaging um, since the Biden administration, since Jenny Yang came in, um, is do more. Know your data. Know your processes. Be able to articulate what you are doing so that there is no impediment to equal employment opportunity, which is how the regs are written. Uh, Number three, if there's going to be a compensation interview and an audit, get some help. We have all gone through these. These these questions that they ask are not surprises. 80% of them of this are the same throughout the country. There's always some others. Back to a point that Lee made at the very beginning, and I think we can close out on, which was that the gist of both the first directive and the revised directive, we think, continues to be, listen, contractors, because compensation is complicated, It's been sort of pushed in the background and on cruise control for a while. And now it's an area of focus and we expect you to do more. Scott Lee, do you think that is a fair summary of where we are with the agency and where contractors should be thinking? Yes. Great. Well, then in that case, hopefully everyone listening to the podcast will join us for our webinar on September 14th, where we will lay out in detail what's in this directive and some ways that, uh, you know, someone could go about thinking about comp because the bottom line is, unlike with other forms of analysis, there's no one right answer. There's no one size fits all. And there's got to be individualized work. Thank you so much for joining us today. And hopefully we will see you September 14th for the compensation webinar. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.